Hello, and welcome to Open the Book. For those of you wondering who on earth I am, um, if you haven't met me before, my name's Joel. Uh, my name's Joel Martin. Um, if you have met me before, that's still my name, but you probably already knew that. Um, I'm currently a final year English student at Queen's. I study English with creative writing. Um, yeah, really like it. Um, looking into maybe doing some sort of youth work thing over the next couple of years, which is really exciting. Um, yeah, but I'm really excited to be sharing um, some really, really wise and wonderful words from the Bible that thankfully um, are not whatever insane nonsense you get from me. Um, but yeah, um, the wisdom and the power of the word of God. Um, in a wee second, I'm going to read a Bible passage. Um, to be specific, I'm going to read um, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, all the way through to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 6. Um, when I do, if you want to, and you're not in a place where it'll be unsafe too, like if you're driving or cutting the grass or frying something or basically doing something that would put you and other people at risk if you just started reading the Bible in the middle of it, um yeah don't don't put other people at risk um before that um i'm gonna pray though heavenly father you're sovereign over everything and everyone we thank you for your goodness for how you're with us and all that we do we thank you for the gift of your word and pray that through the holy spirit you will reveal more of yourself to us through the passage we're looking at now but most of all we thank you for the gift of your son Help us never to take you, your word, your presence with us, or the cross for granted. In your name we pray. Amen. So yeah, I'm going to um, start reading the passage. Um, starting at, as I've already said, um, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah, while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight and all, were saved through water, and this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand, with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is finished with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but for the will of God. For you've spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They are surprised that you don't join them in their reckless, wild living, and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. So yeah, now we are going to open the book 
um, you see what I did there, and look at that passage. Um, so there's a lot there. Um, we're just going to go through it, um, verse by verse and bit by bit, and try and explain what the Bible's saying here. The first thing that really jumps out here, uh, to me anyhow, is that being saved doesn't make us better than anyone else. Any good or righteousness that we have is is God's. Um, it's from him. If you look at verse 18 there, it says, Christ, or the righteous, suffered for us, the unrighteous, in order to bring us to God. Um, which is just fantastic. Um, right after this bit of the passage, it says that through Jesus' bodily death, um, he was made alive in the spirit. And that can sort of seem, there's a lot of stuff that can seem weird or confusing here, and that's that's one of it. Um, like, some people might look at this, I know I looked at it, and it's like, is this trying to say um, that Jesus somehow became, like, more God or more alive by dying and rising? But not in the slightest. An easy way um, that it was explained to me and I think it's a really good metaphor, so I'm just going to steal it, um, is to use the example of a coronation. Um, when a ruler dies, um, like king or queen, um, the crown prince or princess, um, the next in line to the throne, is then immediately, as soon as they die, by right, the next ruler. Um, they already have all the power and authority that comes with being king. Um, Basically, if they wanted to, they could sit down and pass laws. But um, it's not until they're coronated um, that they're crowned and have like an official coronation ceremony that that power is officially recognized and they're declared to other nations to be the king or queen of that country. It's now that Jesus is declared to be the king after he died and was resurrected. That is the proof that he is who he says he is. Um, and now that he's being declared to us, the imprisoned spirits, mentioned in verse 19, which is a fantastic picture of salvation. Um, even in our disobedience, it says here that God waits patiently for us. Um like he waited patiently for Noah to complete the ark. Peter then uses Noah here to segue um, into talking about baptism, which might seem a bit odd or weird or random. Um, don't know about you guys, but I think I notice a lot about differences in people's beliefs. Um, it usually centers around baptism um like if you look at different denominations and stuff like that some people think that only children should be baptized um as a sign of god's promises being there for them um that they then accept them when they grow up and as well as that it's a way for the parents godparents and the church family to promise to raise a child in a loving and christian environment supporting them teaching them about the faith and preparing them to make their own choices and that some other people believe that only adults should be baptized and it's to show publicly that they're Christians, um, a sign of their salvation. Um, that isn't what Peter's talking about here. And there are um, merits and 
problems with with each of those views and it's a very complex issue um but thankfully one that we can now as a church discuss civilly and well but what peter here writes that um it's not that baptism itself saves us um it says like only eight people were saved in noah's ark they were they were the only people saved through water um physical baptism whatever you believe that should look like isn't like some magic bath that can remove dirt and sickness and heal us but it's a brilliant and beautiful picture of the clear consciences we can now have um if we're looking at the end of verse 21 it's through jesus's resurrection what follows that up in verse 22 is a picture of jesus um seated on the throne because he's been raised and his power is declared everything is subject to him and everyone ultimately will have to answer to him so chapter 4 verse 1 comes after this and says that because jesus had to suffer um before being crowned we have to suffer too as christians um then um it says something that might seem a little bit confusing um upon first reading it it says that as christians suffering as jesus did we should be finished with sin um might seem a little bit weird because unless we're perfect and uh with the exception of god spoiler alert we're not um we still fall victim to sin so with that in mind um we need to realize that bible verses don't exist um in a vacuum they don't just sit there in the middle of a page by themselves um so we were going to look at the verse immediately after verse two which um, more clearly explains what peter's writing here we don't live our lives for our evil human desires anymore but for the will of god um this doesn't mean that we magically sort of stop sinning um because all of us are still broken flawed beings but what it does mean is that because we're saved we should make a conscious effort to avoid places or situations where we put ourselves at risk of sinning so we make a conscious and deliberate effort to avoid sin the great news here um as hard as that can be and so many difficult situations that can be hard to get out of we're not alone in that we have so many wonderful christians our age younger and older to rely on and to hold us accountable and share their wisdom with us which as a side note is one of the many reasons church uh, despite all its flaws is so great and so important um but even better than that um we have an incredible and merciful savior in jesus who has already paid for our sin um so this means we change the way we're we're living not so that we're saved but because we've already been saved um we leave behind this lifestyle of what um peter refers to in verse four as reckless wild living living um in the world we do now the broken flawed hurting world that we live in we're surrounded by people who don't know god um people who still um live wild and reckless lives it can be really hard um to not fit in um and verse four even goes 
so far as to say that we'll have abuse heaped on us because people are so surprised that we don't join in in that lifestyle. Thing is, though, ultimately, while we can be judged by our peers for what we do, um, ultimately, we'll all have to to be judged by God. Um, we have to give account to him who judges the living and the dead. Um, but the reality of judgment by God has a flip side. There's such a wonderful comfort we can have in knowing Jesus, who suffered to pay for our sins. Um, and that's why the gospel is preached. It says, says that in, in verse 5, it says, um, let's bring it up here now, 6, we have to give count to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached, even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, as in people we're around might judge how we're living now, but in regard to the spirit, in regards to what's eternal, the person who's going to judge us is God. Um, so yeah, the reason the gospel is preached is so that we can repent, we can accept Jesus and live with God as our saviour, our friend, our king, and our God. Without God, verse 6 tells us that we're dead. Um, that's, that's, that's really um, strong thing to say. Um, I don't know about you, that's almost quite shocking to hear um and the reason that is is because it should be um we are created to live in relationship with god and it's only through sin that that relationship is broken down um which is why the gospel is so important um but before i leave um and sort of resting on that point for a bit and the importance of the gospel um i want to give you two questions to think on question one is how can i show others the love of god and share the gospel with them in a natural but truthful way being honest with them and the other question i want to leave you with is how can we live out our faith practically how can we live a lifestyle not so that we're saved, but because we're saved, live in the way that God's commanded? Yeah, and that's all I sort of have to share with you today. Um, thank you so much for listening. Um, I really, really hope and pray that something I've said, um, even if it's just one thing, will be helpful to you. Um, but yeah, God bless um, and have a great day. Bye.